you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be focused on verse 24 today, but just to catch the context, we're going to start chapter 6, verse 19, and read all the way through verse 24. So friends, listen. This is God's Word. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of Christ. So there I was, I was in college, and during college I got a job selling door-to-door. Uh, I would sell people a card that had a year of auto maintenance um, for a local gas station. And there I was, I had made another sale. So I was standing at the door, and the person that I sold to was writing out the check. And as they finished writing the check, they they made a comment to me, like, wow, I can't believe all of this is totally free. And I was stuck. There was a battle that was going on in my heart. Because while what I was selling to them gave them a lot of free stuff, not everything was totally free. And so I was torn. I was torn, stuck with the decision, right? Do I simply take the money and leave and let them figure it out later? Or do I clear up the confusion and make sure that this person really wants to buy? At that point, my desire for the sale was in competition with my desire to honor God and to love this person. Friends, in this verse of the Bible, verse 24, Jesus says, money competes with God. It says money competes with God. And this is the third warning that Jesus has given. In the last two weeks, Jesus has warned us uh, in other ways about money. He's told us that money doesn't last, you know, verses 19 and 20. He's also said that money consumes your life, verses 21 to 23. But today he says money competes with God. He says it there, verse 24, he says you can't serve both. You can't love both. You can't be devoted to both. And as we look at this today, as we see the truth of what Jesus says, we're also going to see how Jesus' warnings don't just trump money, but they actually can transform money in your life. Okay, so not just trump, but transform money. Our money actually can promote God rather than compete with him. Let me ask you a question. What if 
every dollar that you spent made you feel closer to God? What if every dollar that you spent increased your faith in God? How'd that be? What if every dollar that you spent actually told you what God's will was for your life? And best of all, what if that could be true without you having to give all your money to the church? Right? Because as I was thinking about that, as I was studying this, I'm like, oh man, this is what money actually can do. And I started writing this out, and I'm like, wait, wait, they're going to think that I'm just going to ask you to give all your money to the church, and then it all honors God, right? No, no, no. That's not the way of Jesus. That's not the way of Jesus. But Jesus says that you can promote God with all of your money, even the money you don't give to God. Okay, and so we're going to look really at two questions today. Um, the first question we're going to look at, we just want to ask the question and make sure we got it clear. Do money and God really compete? Because you know, as I think about this, I'm, you know, if you're like me, I'm thinking, man, can't we have both in life? Come on, like, can't I have money and God? Like, do they really compete? So we want to answer that question, make sure we're all clear. Um, I think money competes with God in two ways. Um, we, money competes with God in, in that getting money can compete with God, right? In the acquisition of money, in the gathering of money, in the earning of money, in the getting of money, that sometimes can compete with God. When we lie or cheat, or steal to get money. You know, we do that in general. We do that even in the office, right? Um, If we lie, cheat, steal to get a promotion, um, then in these ways, we compromise our hearts and our character. And at that point, not only is money competing with God, but money wins. Money wins when we have to sin in order to get it. At that point, we're doing what Jesus says. We're serving money. And let me just say that money is not a happy master. Right? This is what money does when it's in competition with God. Let's look at a couple of passages in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, it says this. It says, What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? So in Ecclesiastes, there's a very wise but also frustrated view and analysis of life. It says this, verse 23, For all of man's days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. So friends, money is enslaving. If you set your mind to serve money, what happens is, at night, when you leave the office, if you leave the office... Um, at night, you go home and you don't stop thinking about money, right? Even when you go to sleep, your heart does not rest. This is what money does to us. It enslaves us. And then look at this, Ecclesiastes 4.8. One person who has no other, either a son or a brother, so no heir, okay? Someone has no heir, and yet there's no end to all of his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches. Stop right there. I mean, this is what happens when you set your mind on money, on wealth. You're never, ever going to have enough. 
Usually the people who even set financial goals, oftentimes if you're just setting goals because you want money, usually what happens is by the time you reach the goal that you've set, you're so enslaved to the lifestyle that you needed to have in order to get to that goal that you can't stop. That you can't stop and you're enslaved. So your eyes, his eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks, for whom am I tolling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Friends, money promises the world, but it can't deliver. It delivers bondage. Because people who live for money never feel like they have enough. And so getting money can compete with God. Um, Secondly, spending money actually also can compete with God. So it's not just the getting of money that can compete with God, but even how we spend it, okay? And we see the competition when we see God's plan for how money ought to be spent, okay? So let's look at this. We're going to look at this a few different ways this morning. Um, These are the four biblical uses of money. First, tithing to the church. These are ways that God says you should spend your money. First, tithing to the church. Second, to provide for your needs, Third, to celebrate life. And then fourth, to care for others. These are the four ways, if you read the whole Bible's teaching on money, these are the four ways that God says you should spend your money. These are four ways that you actually can honor God with your money. And so let's look at the verses here. So first, tithing to the church. Matthew 23, 23. This is Jesus talking. He says, For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Because what Jesus is saying here is that he's talking to these people who have tithed but have neglected. And Jesus says really clearly here, you ought to have tithed without neglecting these other things. Okay, and so... um, so tithing is the first way to spend your money. And, so, and here's what happens with the, with the competition, is that if you don't tithe 10% of your income to the church, then the Bible would say you're not putting God first in the area of your life that is money. Okay, and so in this way, money wins in your life, in this competition. Now, I know that tithing might be a new concept for many of you. Um, sometimes churches talk about it, sometimes they don't. If you haven't been to church in a long time, maybe you didn't know that this was part of the Bible's teaching. But tithing is returning 10% of your income to God. That's what it is. And when you do that, you show that you want to honor God first in the area of your money, and then you also are supporting the work of the church and allowing it to grow. And so, um, especially if you've been here Uh, at our church for at least a year, how are you doing on tithing? How's it going? Um, Last year, we did a whole series on stewardship where we went through these four different purposes in a sermon series. And if you heard last year's sermon on tithing, you know, the question, we made it really clear last year that God's grace covers over all of his commands. And there are times when we hear a command from God and Boy, we just, we're ready to obey right away. Like we're ready to come into full alignment with God and his word. And then there's other times where it feels like we have to kind of work toward being in a place of obedience. 
Like if you're not giving 10% of your income, maybe you're giving like 2% of your income. And so you want to set a plan to work toward that 10%. And we talked about that in detail last year. And here's my question. If you've been here for a year, how have you done? Like where are you now versus last year? What progress have you made in this? Um, I think it's good to, to just take time to, to think periodically, okay, how am I doing in this area? Are you closer now in your giving than you were last year? If not, then money may be winning. Money may be winning in your life. Okay, so second, God wants you to spend your money to provide for your needs. Okay, 1 Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Okay, so this is harsh. Um, I mean, in the way it's said, but what we see here is that God wants you to spend your money to provide for your needs. Okay, this is part of every time. So we're talking about the rent. Right? We're talking about your bills. We're talking about food. Right? Every time you spend money providing for your needs or saving for future needs, God is honored. God is honored. Now, when you don't do this, if you don't provide for your needs, your life kind of falls apart. Right? If you don't provide for your needs, then what you are spending your money on typically doesn't satisfy. It typically doesn't satisfy. Usually there's sort of a gaping hole that just doesn't get filled if you're not being responsible to provide for your needs. Third, this is one everybody likes. And so does God, actually. Um, God wants you to use your money to celebrate life. To celebrate life. Look at this, Psalm 115, verses 15 and 16. It says, May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth He has given to the children of man. You know what this means? This means that the good world that God made is yours to enjoy. Like God wants you to enjoy the sun. He wants you to enjoy... Um, well, that's in the heavens, sorry. He wants you to enjoy the warmth, right? He wants you to enjoy the ocean. He wants you to enjoy the waves. He wants you to enjoy the things that are made out of the stuff of this world. Like, we don't struggle with this usually. Usually we're really good at this, right? I mean, the food that you can enjoy in San Diego, right? The, the, the stuff you can do, the things that we can have, right? I've got computers all around me, right? One that fits in my pocket that tells me how long I'm preaching so that I don't go too long, right? I've got this device. It's amazing, the stuff that we have. And God says, I want you to use your money to enjoy life. So often, the church... I don't know, it just doesn't seem to get this one. And it makes you feel guilty about going to Starbucks. It makes you feel guilty about them taking coffee and throwing it in a blender with, with, with chocolate and ice and then having that delicious frappuccino, right, that costs you $4.50, but you don't care because it's so good, right? God says, man, the earth I have given to you, and I want you to use your money to celebrate life. Every time you buy something that you don't need, 
You have an opportunity to celebrate the fact that you have more than you need. And that's because God has blessed you. So this is, this is one of the purposes. Now, if you don't do this, okay, if you don't take time to celebrate with your money, then what can happen is you can become a hoarder of money. You become a miser or Scrooge, right? Where you're so enveloped with making sure you hold on to every penny. You know, and you don't let anything go because, well, what's going to happen? And you don't ever take time. I mean, that doesn't communicate the heart of God in your life. That's not God's heart for you. He wants you to take time out. It was prescribed in Israel that they had to have week-long feasts three times a year. They had to take their stuff and just celebrate. Because this is God's heart. And so if you don't do this, if you are like Scrooge, then money is winning in your life. It's not just competing, but it's winning. And then fourth, God wants you to use your money to care for others. Right? Matthew 25, 37 to 40. Then the righteous will answer, this is King Jesus, will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Friends, if you don't care for others with a portion of your money, um, what can happen is a slow rot from the inside. Because you might have stuff, but you're going to miss out on the amazing blessing that it is to bless others. And you will actually miss out on opportunities to care for Jesus. When that happens, money wins. So, do money and God really compete? Seems like it. They do in my life. You can't serve both. And so, the second question that we want to ask and answer is do money and God have to compete? Right? We know they do compete, but do they have to compete? The answer to this question, gloriously, is no. No, they don't have to compete. Money can actually promote God in your life. This is so important and so exciting and so freeing. Like, this will change the way that you live. This will change the amount of experience that you have with God, if you can get a hold of this. The key uh, to making sure that they don't compete, the key to getting money to promote God, is to bring the two together and let God win. Okay, that's the key. The key is to bring money and God together in your life and let God win. Now, when you do this, you realize that God not only trumps money, but God transforms money. He will turn money into something that will allow you to meet him and to experience him. So 
So how does that happen? How does God transform money in our lives? Well, there's a practical thing that we're going to get to, but there's also a gospel-driven thing that we need to look at first. Okay? Because if I were just to give you some tips on how to handle your money, you might go away and feel like money was in better, you were in better situation with money, but you wouldn't necessarily know God better. Right? All of Jesus' teachings are designed to help us to know who God is and to be in a relationship with him. And so the first thing we need to do is we need to think about um, how Jesus deals with things that compete with him. Okay? If money competes with God, how does Jesus deal with his competitors? Because okay? when Jesus came, there were lots of things that competed with Jesus. There were lots of people who chose money instead of Jesus. Right? The rich young ruler. Right? He went away because Jesus gave him a real hard teaching that was specific, um, tailored for him. There were people who chose money instead of Jesus. There were people who chose their ways instead of Jesus' way. Right? They just didn't want what Jesus had to say. They didn't want to honor him. They didn't want to follow after him. They said, yeah, okay, you're doing this. I'm not going to do that. Um, there were people who chose their power over Jesus. People had religious power and didn't want to give it up. Um, and so they didn't follow Jesus. People with political power who didn't want to give it up. They wanted to keep their power instead of Jesus. The question is, how did Jesus respond to those people who competed with him? Well, it's interesting. First, Jesus taught them. Jesus taught people to try to set them free from being enslaved to things that weren't really God. The heart of Jesus wasn't to come and to condemn people and make them feel awful. The design of Jesus was to come. He saw people, the Bible says that Jesus saw people like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus saw that there were these sheep that were just following money in their lives. They were just following, and they had no idea where they were going or where it was going to lead. And Jesus wept over those people. And so he taught them. He said things like, don't lay up treasure for yourselves on earth. It's not going to last. Jesus says, don't you realize that if you spend your life serving money, you're not going to be able to serve God. He taught them. He cared for them. Jesus wants people to experience freedom from slavery, right? When Jesus talks about morality, it's not just because he's got this list of do's and don'ts that he wants to push on people. Jesus wants to set you free, and he knows that any other way besides his is enslaving. And then, beyond teaching, Jesus actually allowed himself to be submitted to his competitors. So not only did he teach the people who competed with him, but he ended up submitting to the worst that they could possibly do. Because the people um, who competed with Jesus, the people that rejected Jesus because of other things in their lives, they were the ones who captured him. They were the ones who arrested him. 
They were the ones that put him in chains, enslaving him. And they weren't happy masters. They beat him. They whipped him. They mocked him. And then they crucified him on the cross. Hear me. Jesus died for the sinners who competed with him. He enabled them to do their worst because he knew that in doing that, Jesus would be dying for the sins that we commit when we compete with God. The sins that compete with God, Jesus came to die for those. And so, if you've been letting money win in your life, like if money is winning in your life in any of the four ways, please know, first and foremost, you are why Jesus came into the world. You just have to hear that. The gospel is good news. Jesus came to save sinners. He came to save people who don't do it right. Because he gets it. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows how deceitful. He knows the heart, how difficult it is to let God win in this competition with money. And so if you trust Jesus today, if you confess your sins to him, Jesus will forgive you. Second Corinthians 8-9 For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So Jesus, gloriously perfected in heaven, richer than rich, he is God himself, owns everything, and yet for your sake he humbled himself, He let it all go, and he submitted himself to the ultimate poverty, where he gave up even his life, so that we could be rich, so that God's blessings would rain and flood into our lives. If you trust Jesus, he gives you his riches his spiritual riches that last forever, his spiritual riches that make your life radiant. And when you trust Jesus, he transforms your relationship to money. So let's talk about that. Remember, the biblical uses for money is tithing to the church, providing for your needs, celebrating life, caring for others. You want to let this be why you get it and how you spend it. When it comes to money, let these four things be why you get money and how you spend money. Because in this way, then getting money can promote God. If you want a job, if you want a better job, if you have a job that you love... If you earn money because you want to support the church and see the work of God grow in San Diego and throughout the world, then your relationship with money has been transformed. 
if you get money because you want to provide for your needs and for those of your household, then you are honoring God. Then God is being promoted in your life. Right? If you want to get money so that you can celebrate life and the abundance of God's blessings, then you are saying, God, I want your abundance. Lord, not for my sake, but to give you glory and honor. And if you want to get money so that you can care for others, then God is with you. Then God will meet you in that motivation and you will experience His presence. And so this could look like every morning before you go to work, Lord, I'm going to work and this is why. When things are difficult at work, you can stop and you can say, okay, Lord, this is why I'm here. I'm here for these reasons. When you do that, God will meet you in that place and you'll experience his presence. And then the same thing is true. Let this be how you spend money. Because when you give, when you tithe to the church, when you give you are promoting God, right? You are promoting the work of his church in the city. You are building the church. You are wanting the church to continue to reach people to set them free from spiritual bondage, whether it be to money or to anything else. When you pay your bills, right? When you pay the rent, when you're at the grocery store, when you are providing for your needs, you are promoting God's plan that you work and he provides. Right? There's dignity and honor that God has gifted to men and women. When you work, God has given you the ability to work so that you can provide for your needs. And every time you spend to provide for your needs, God is honored. And then, again, we said this a little bit ago, but every time you spend money on something that you don't need, you are celebrating the fact that you have more than you need. And you can turn that into a celebration. You know, so it's not just, okay, let me go and buy this or buy that, but it's, God, you have given me the ability beyond what I need Beyond my needs, I have this ability to, to do things, to spend money on things that I can enjoy. Because that's the kind of God he is. And when you celebrate it like that, then God enters into that experience. And you experience his presence. And then, when you spend money to care for others, to provide for their needs, when you do something for someone else, you buy them lunch, you buy them groceries, you um, contribute to the care fund, like you show. When you do that, you're showing that God is providing for them even beyond what they can provide for themselves. And so in that way, it's like you are God's answer to their prayers. And so literally, like you want to think about this every time you use your credit card, right? Every time you swipe your card, every time you hand the cash over, every time you write a check, just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I can 
by this. Thank you, God, that I can provide for this. Thank you, God, that I can do this. And God will meet you there. Now, as you do that, you may find that God rejoices with you and then wants to talk a little bit afterwards. It happens. It happens because the God who loves you, that has provided abundantly for you, sometimes wants to help you realign some of the way that you spend your money. Sometimes. And at that point, remember, like this is the God who loves you, cares for you, has provided richly and abundantly for you. This is a God who can give you a peace that passes understanding. A God that can give you peace with and without wealth. And what's exciting about that is that this is the God who promises that if you follow his ways and his proportions, then you'll experience real life. Because the times when God might want you to realign your, your, your priorities with money, those are the times when you're not actually experiencing his best for you. When God is saying, you know what, I've got something even more in store for you. Greater blessing, greater significance in the lives of other people, greater sense of you being connected to me and what I'm doing in the world. And when that happens, I mean, to me, it really does. Like, it makes me happy to think that anytime God wants to correct me in the way I spend my money, it is for my good, it's to set me free. That's good news. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, okay, wait a second, there's no way I can do this. You don't know what God's plan might do to my budget. Um, Maybe you're thinking, man, just thinking about this makes me anxious, (laughs) right? I can't imagine the worry that will control me if I follow a plan like this. If you're thinking that, come back next week. Come back next week, because next week we're going to see that Jesus actually says that the opposite is true. We're going to see Jesus go on and show us that this is actually the plan that will free your life from anxiety and worry about money. So, come back next week. But this week, for the next seven days, right, between now and the next time we see each other, in the next seven days, go to work with this motivation. Right? Write these things down. And go to work motivated by this. Just rehearse this as you go to work. Every time you spend, see what you spend in these categories. Do this and see just how much more of God's presence you will experience this week. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so thankful first and foremost, that you have come to save people who have failed in this competition. God, in the, in the judgment, or in the, in the competition between you and money in our lives, Lord, we have failed. I have failed, Lord, all of us. We struggle to choose you over money. Thank you that Jesus has come to save us. Thank you that he forgives us, gives us a fresh start, God, he makes us perfect in your sight. Thank you, God, 
And we pray, Lord, that as we understand that that's who you are, that our image of you and the way that you speak to us, the way that you long for us to, to be set free, Lord, you're not a killjoy. You're not a manipulator. You are a caring, loving Father who wants to lead us in the path that leads to freedom. Help us, Lord, this week to get money with these motivations and to spend money in these ways. And help us, Lord, to be consciously including you with every decision so that we can see your truth in Scripture come to life in our lives. Father, for those who are here and aren't yet Christians, we pray uh, that you would touch their hearts and help them see the freedom that could be possible for them if they would follow Jesus. Help them to confess their sins and to come to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.